Hi, welcome everybody. Welcome to the show. And cheers to you on a Thursday afternoon. I hope you have a drink. I'm enjoying a, enjoying a nice martini. I'm going to jump right into it this week. Do you need to know the root cause of a problem in your business or in your life? Do you need to understand the cause of the problem in order to fix the problem? I think everybody's immediate reaction would be, yeah, you need to know the cause of the problem. You need to know why the uh, problem arose and that's going to help you fix it, right? Do you need to understand why uh, mistakes were made in customer service in your business? Do you need to understand why one employee disrespected another employee? Do you need to understand why other stakeholders have been disrespected or or mistreated uh, within your organization? Do you need to know what happened in order to fix it? It's like uh, going to a doctor, right? Everybody thinks we go to a doctor. I mean, this would be the natural perception. For me, anyways, you go to the doctor and they're gonna diagnose what is wrong with you and then they're gonna try and find a way to fix what is wrong with you. Should be the same in business as it is in life, right? We have in the UK what we call uh, corporate doctors. I know uh, Mr. Richardson, Jay Richardson, who's been on this show a couple of times, bills himself as a corporate doctor exactly for that reason the idea is that you diagnose uh the problem uh within the business or the organization and then you fix it if you run a business and you hire consultants and you pay hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever you can afford ten thousand dollars whatever the consultant charges you what are they going to do they're going to look through your organization they're going to look in the direction of what's frustrating you they're going to look at that particular issue they're going to do a deep dive, they're going to crunch a bunch of numbers, they're going to talk to some people, and they're going to come say, this is your problem. I've diagnosed this problem. Now you know that you can go fix it. So I come back again. Do you need to know why a problem occurred? What caused the problem? Do you need to know that to fix it? Or are all those things, are, or are those issues independent? And I'm going to urge you to consider that if you have a problem in your life, if you have a problem in your business, the cause of that problem is, is most often irrelevant to the solution. The solution is a whole different issue. But the cause, and if you want to know what the cause is, God bless you, do a deep dive, figure it out. Most of the time, it's irrelevant to implementing the solution to fix the problem. Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> uh, probably about a year ago, maybe 18 months ago, Damn, that's a good martini. I haven't had one in a long time. Uh, I was on the phone. Well, let me give you some background first. I was working with a food processing uh, client of mine. I did not own this business. Uh, I was the appointed chief restructuring officer, meaning the turnaround leader uh, for a company that was significantly uh, financially distressed and had a lot of operational problems as well. And I'd been on the job maybe three months or so. And uh, we process food and part of the input to that, to that recipe, to whatever we were making, came from one large U.S. supplier um, who was a big, a big, big entity in the U.S. with thousands of people and, you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars of revenue. And my client had not paid this particular supplier for maybe six months. And 
I don't recall how much specifically we owed them. Maybe it doesn't matter, but let's just say for round numbers, a million dollars. Like it was not nothing. It was a big number for us. Um, and it was a it was a noticeable number to them. And, you know, the credit term should have been whatever, 60 days, but we hadn't paid these, these people in six months. And so they cut off supply, appropriately so. They cut off supply and I'm the chief restructuring officer. And my problem is, I need supply specifically from these people because the, you know, the blend of spices and other things that we're buying from them is unique to them. Uh, so there's intellectual property uh, associated with it. I can't just go to the company down the road or to, or to some boutique supplier without going through major changes within the organization, changing the recipe, which means I would have to go to the customer, uh, my customer, and I would have to get them to approve the change of the recipe. It's just a disaster. I have to do business with these people, but I don't have the million dollars. I don't have the million dollars, but I have to do business with them. There's my problem. Over the course of a couple of weeks, I speak with multiple accounts receivable clerks, uh, supervisors, middle management. Um, and basically my pitch is this. Look, I, I've said this on the Martinis with Scott show before. If you're trying to negotiate back debt and you don't have the money, um, back debt with the supplier and you don't have the money, it basically boils down to this. It's, I owe you a million dollars. I will, option one is I'll pay you. I, I'm not presenting options to the to the supplier that I owe money to, by the way. I'm just saying to you, this is what you're negotiating for. You're either negotiating for one, I will pay you that amount of money, 100 cents of the dollar over a period of time. So for example, in my scenario, it's a million dollars. I'll pay you $100,000 a month on that back debt for 10 months and then we'll be current, right? Or option two, I can't pay you that, I need to restructure. I'm going to pay you 20 cents on the dollar right now and I want you to write off the other 80 cents. In other words, I'm never going to, I, in other words, on a million dollars, I'll pay you $200,000 in satisfaction of the full debt, which is basically what a court supervised restructuring does um, in whole or in part. So you could try to do that informally. So there's an option. So I'll pay you the whole thing, but over time, because I don't have the money right now, I'll pay you what I have right now and that's it because I don't have all the money right now or some combination of that. Like I'll pay you a little bit up front and I want you to take a little haircut, right? I'm going to discount this debt and we'll pay the rest over time. Like some combination of that. But at the end of the day, you're negotiating for the amount that you're going to pay and you're negotiating for time and that's it. Those are your only options. And what are you asking for in return? You're asking for two things. You're asking for a standstill on legals. So you don't want to be sued. Maybe you consent to judgment and you hold it in escrow in case you default on your payment plan or whatever. But basically, you don't want to spend money on lawyers because you've come to a deal. So you're asking for that in exchange. And secondly, if you're in my position, you're asking for a resumption of normal supplier relationships. So in other words, I want to make it up to you on the back stuff but I want to continue to buy from you on normal terms. And what does normal terms means? I want normal delivery times. I want the same price I used to have, and I want the same credit I used to have, let's say 60 days. So I'm going to fix the past. Here's my proposal for that. You're not going to sue me, and you're going to start supplying to me again the same way that you supplied to me before. That's what you're negotiating for 100% of the time. Okay, those are your only options. It's not more complicated than that. 
there's all sorts of nuance and people get into, ah, but why did this happen? Are they good people or they bad people? And there's, you know, there's all sorts of angst about it. But at the end of the day, time, the amount of money, what do you get in exchange is no legals. And do you use them as a supplier? And if so, on what terms, right? That's it. So I, I speak with the initial accounts receivable clerk and, you know, they could take my money. They could say, cool, we'll take your million dollars, $100,000 a month, and I'll be a hero to my boss, but they don't have the authority to start shipping me again, right? And so then I move to a supervisor level, same conversation. They could take my money, but they can't give me supply. Um, I don't care about their money, obviously. I care. I mean, I want to do the right thing, but my problem is not that. My problem is I want supply. And this goes on for a couple of weeks, starting to become a serious issue now from my perspective, because I've, you know, I've been able to produce other things, but now I'm starting to get back orders on this stuff. And so I keep pushing it up the chain, pushing it up the chain, and finally I get to a CFO. When I say finally, I mean, it's a big organization, so you wouldn't expect this to get to the CFO, but this, uh, it did. And, and the background from my supplier's perspective is they had just sold. They were bought by an even larger European uh, conglomerate. And there's a, like literally a couple of weeks beforehand or a month beforehand that there's a integration going on and there's a deep dive into the books of the new American acquisition. The CFO in the US is on the hot seat and this million dollar receivable from their perspective that is way past due, you know, he gets asked about it uh, every other day in a management meeting, what's going on with that? And it's pissing him off, okay? And he is a sophisticated, aggressive, type A personality, knows what he's doing, super sharp, <clears throat> and that's the backdrop for this, for this conversation. So I get up to the CFO and we have a conference call and the conference call is me representing my client of which I am CRO, which means I am now an officer of that client. I'm not just a consultant. And the CFO, and basically every one of these like 20 clerks and supervisors and middle management that I talked to on the way up to the CFO. So um, I always try to be professional and friendly. And I give my pitch. I give my pitch that I'm CRO. We're transforming this company. Uh, things are going great. I've been on the job, uh, you know, a few months and this has come to my attention and I want to get it fixed. But here's, here's the terms. I want to get it fixed. So I said, look, I'll pay you the million dollars over 10 months, $100,000 per month. Um, and you start supplying me and I have orders to fill right now. So the, the $100,000 a month on the back deck gets applied to the oldest invoices first. And then if I want to order another $100,000 of goods right now, I'll pay another $100,000 applied to the oldest invoices. So that not only is the aging of this problem, you know, getting cured really quickly, but the absolute dollars that you have exposed to me never goes up. It only goes down, right? So if I want to buy $100,000 worth of stuff right now, I'm paying the $100,000 against a million plus $100,000 because I bought $100,000 worth of stuff for you. So that's $200,000, okay? And you're better off than you were. The aging on your paper is better off than it was. And I got my supply. And we're starting to trust each other again. 
and there's never any risk to you. There's no risk to you. The situation is only getting better. That's a typical negotiation for this sort of thing that I do every single day. In this case, from Mr. CFO, the response was aggressive and it was hostile. The essence, the essence was uh, in a yelling fashion that they would never, ever, 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 ever over his dead body reestablish credit or ever sell to us again. Um, the company had just been purchased, as I said, by their larger European company. He explained all that to me, but that was on the radar. He couldn't possibly go back to his senior people and say, hey, guess what? I'm selling more stuff to those people. Um, because they have a CRO in and, you know, he's a, he's a good looking, smart fellow. So I'm going to resume business. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. He's angry. He's yelling and he's never going to, he's never going to do business with us again. And that's, and in the middle of him screaming at me over the phone in front of his underlings, um, I said something like, okay, I get it. And, um, I hung up on him mid sentence. Um, <laughs> Well, he was still yelling at me and I, you know, I don't like doing that, but I, but I do it. And it seems to happen once a month in my life. I, I just have to hang up on people because I deal in troubled companies and there's a lot of emotion and anger. I hate doing it, but you know, it needs to be an equal playing field. You know, like I'm not the guy who borrowed a million dollars from him and didn't pay him back. If I was, I'd be a lot more, I'd be a lot more conciliatory. Is that the right word? Sympathetic? But I'm not. I'm the guy that's coming to fix the situation for him, for me. But I'm also fixing it for him because if I don't, if I don't fix it, no one's going to fix it, and he's not going to get paid. And there needs to be some mutual respect. So I hung up on him. I hung up. So what happens when you hang up on him? Well, they they email back the next day or right away, and they say, "So what are we getting payment on our million dollars?" Which is what happened. And I said, "You're not." That ship sailed, I moved on. Uh, happy to talk about it. If you wanna have a conversation about this, if you want to find a way to meet my objectives, which are to pay you, make you happy, have you supply me, and for us to live together happily ever after, cool. Let's have the conversation again. But if you don't, I need to find another solution and you're at the back of the bus as far as I'm concerned, okay? and. And so what does that get me? That gets me another conference call the next day, right? So here we go again, round two, got the conference call, more productive, still a little hostile, more productive. We agree to all the material points of the negotiation. Everybody's on board. We're gonna go forward. So I'm gonna do the 10 months. I'm gonna do the hundred grand a month. I'm gonna pay for what we order, but apply to older invoices. But the CFO is still not fully committed. He's there, he's, he's showing buying signals, but he's not committed. He turns aggressive again, raising his voice. He went into a long history of the misdeeds of my client over years, why we're bad people, and concluded with that he needed to know, in fact, he needed to know why the client had not paid them before, before he agreed to resume business with us. What was the reason? What was the root cause of the problem? You see how this ties together finally? What was the root cause of the problem? 
why he wasn't paid to begin with uh, to before he agrees to resume business. So what should I say to that? Because I could say, well, they were broke. My client was broke, so they couldn't pay you. That doesn't seem like a good answer. And what I said was, was, was the truth, which is, I have no idea. I don't know why they didn't pay you. I've been here two or three months. This account just came across my desk. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't been here long. I don't know what happened in the past. Uh, and honestly, I don't care what happened in the past. I just want to move forward. To which he yelled, if you don't know the cause of the problem, you can't fix it. It's just common sense, right? If you don't know the cause of the problem, you can't fix it. That's common sense. To which I said, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. Let's say, Mr. CFO, that you woke up this morning in your beautiful suburban house in Connecticut or wherever the hell you are on the East Coast, and you get into your, your nice black Mercedes and you're backing out of the driveway and there happens to be a four car pileup right at the end of your driveway, right? There's a dump truck, there's, a, there's an SUV, um, there was a, a chicken truck and there's chickens all over the road and a, and a nice woman on a scooter and all four of these people crashed into each other, blocked the end of your driveway and there's chickens running around everywhere and you have an important meeting. Let's say that happened this morning, okay? There's cops there, there's ambulances there, there's fire trucks there. What do you do? Do you walk to the end of your driveway and yell at the policeman? Do you yell at the cops that you need to know how this accident happens? Or you just wait for, you just wait for the vehicles to move so you can go to work? Why do you care how the accident happened? Unless it happens every day. Right? And then maybe you'd want to fix the root cause of that thing because it's causing you trouble, right? But you don't need to know how the accident occurred at the end of your driveway for you to get to work. You just need the trucks. You need them to do their job, move stuff out of the way so you can go to work and get to your important meeting, right? You don't need, you don't need to know the cause of the problem to fix it. You don't need to know that. Nobody needs to know that. All I need to know, Mr. CFO, all I need to know is that I have a system to pay my suppliers on time. That's all I care about. Silence. Silence on the end of the phone, and then the deal got done. We won. All right? You don't need to know, rarely do you need to know the cause of a problem uh, to fix it. Certainly in business, and uh, in life as well. Business consultants, in my view, you know, management teams that are faced with problems, uh, business consultants, they just spend way too much time digging into the cause of issues, the cause of the problem, and not nearly enough time looking at the roadblocks to fixing the problem, which is the third piece of this. You've got the cause of the problem, okay? You've got the solution to the problem, and then you got the roadblocks to implementing the solution. You, in your life and in your business, need to spend your time on the third part, which is the roadblocks to implementing uh, the solution. You want to make more money in your business? Do you need to know why your production equipment is in disrepair and keeps breaking down? Or do you just need to implement a preventive maintenance system and to establish a capital expenditures, expenditures budget for new equipment You know that's in line with your, that's affordable? to you. 
Does it matter to you why the preventative maintenance system was not there? Could it be incompetence? Could it be laziness? Could it be a lack of caring? The ever popular, there's not enough time? I would suggest to you, who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is you need the system. But what's really important is why you don't have the system in terms of the roadblocks to implementing it, okay? Not the root cause of the problem, not that all my people are lazy, but but, but the, the roadblocks to actually implementing the system, which is a whole different issue. Here's a secret about underperforming businesses. Uh, everyone already knows what is wrong with the business. They already know. Talk to the people. Talk to the people doing the work. They know what's wrong. They know how to fix it. And they know why they're not fixing it. Talk to them and you're going to you're going to find out. It's the same in life, right? Do you have a loved one? Do you have a loved one that's overweight and at a health risk as a result? Right? Let's say that that loved one's me. And I'm eating too much pizza at night. I stopped doing that, by the way, a long time ago. But it's still a uh, it's still a reasonable example, given my physique. So um, so you want to lose weight? What do you do? What's your advice to that loved one? It's, is it is it like let's do a deep dive together into the psychology of why you're eating too much, or that you were brought up loving comfort food, or maybe you shouldn't be drinking a bottle of wine every night, or you shouldn't actually literally have a show called Martinis with Scott and drink martinis during it on a Thursday afternoon? Is that what you do? Or do you focus on eat less, exercise more? Eat less, here's some strategies to eat less, exercise more. Maybe start with stop eating uh, processed foods, right? There's all sorts of strategies, don't need to get into the detail of that. But if you focus on, we all know the answer, eat less, exercise more. The reason I don't do that, not a problem. The problem is not relevant. What's relevant is a strategy to actually do that. It doesn't matter if we're in life or in business. So we have a third element to the equation, um, which is uh, focusing on the persuasion um, to get people to overcome their roadblocks for not dealing with problems. What do you need for persuasion? You need attention, number one. No one's listening to you. You can't persuade anybody. You need attention even if that means from time to time hanging up the phone in their ear. You need context. Why do you need context? You need context because you need empathy. And if you can't empathize, if you can't understand why people are doing what they're doing, not what the root cause of the problem is, but why they're not implementing the solution, if you, can't, if you don't have empathy, you can't lead them. That's just about a line. We're going to talk more about uh, context, which is uh, my word of the week internally at Sinclair Range here. Everybody I talk to, I'm talking about context. <laughs> Bit of an inside joke, but but it's been true. Um, and context leads to empathy, and empathy leads to persuasion, which is convincing people to overcome their roadblocks in making these changes that you need. What you need to, what I hope you get from this show for now, is that... The cause of the problem is a unique and completely different thing than the solution of the problem. You don't need to know one to do the other. And the solution to the problem is a unique different thing than the obstacles and the roadblocks to actually implementing that solution. You wanna fix things in your life or in your business, you need to focus on those roadblocks. You need to persuade. You need to persuade others and you need to persuade yourself and you need to have techniques for doing that. 
You need to have systems for implementing uh, the solutions and blowing through those roadblocks, which have nothing to do with the cause of the problem. Thank you for listening. Oh my God, we're 24 minutes. I'm usually 55 minutes. I guess I blew through that pretty quickly, but that's okay. I have a busy day. Hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe. We're on, where are we? We're on uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Talk to you next week.